Hey, everybody. Something's off. Episode 33, I believe. I never know what episode we're on. That's kind of like it's a running theme now. I just I have no I'm pretty sure this is episode 33. I'm recording a little bit early. I can't get to sleep. I don't have insomnia. I'm I'm somewhere in between uh, getting semi-healthy sleep and insomnia. I'm in that the middle sort of bracket right there. And I don't know what it is. I just I feel like uh, I was in writing mode. I couldn't get any of that done. And I'm just driving myself crazy with uh, the ADHD thoughts. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know necessarily what to uh, what to talk about. I just needed to project my thought. I don't want to be that guy who's just like I can't sleep because I'm just I'm an artist and I'm tortured and I just I I have to get my thoughts. I have to project. If it's not this, then it's it's a, a painting on a canvas. Either that, or I go outside on a sunny day, stand on a soapbox, and yell out spoken word poetry. I just have so many thoughts that I need to. I need to convey onto an audience, if there's anybody who'll listen to me. Of course, I'm too profound for people to really pay attention. Even if they do, they probably don't understand what I'm saying because everything, everything that I say is just shrouded in mystery. I got a buddy right now. He's messaging me. He's doing this thing, and like the the and I, I'm not saying this to disrespect him because he's doing me a favor, and he's actually doing something for my short films. He, he wants to take a bunch of my short films, and he wants to convert them to VHS. Just just when you thought the pandemic couldn't jade people enough, this guy's been in quarantine so long. He's actually he actually saw an old VHS tape in his basement, and he said, "Hey." You know all those Netflix TV shows? They belong on this thing. It's 10 pounds heavy. And no one's thought of them since 2003. So I'm going to do that. No, but he's doing a good job. He's doing a good job. So he's converting not only the movie to VHS, but he's converting, like he's, he's taking the label from the movie, the actual label, and he's he's making like a VHS box, like a slip cover. And it looks really good. Like it looks like it's from the year 1995. In fact, I'm pretty sure that's where he teleported from. No, but he's a friend of mine. I'm going to say his name because he's going to listen to this. I already told him that I'd, I I was going to kind of goof on him a little bit. It's my friend Tom the Bomb. And uh, he's a tattoo artist. He's inked up. And uh, he likes to do stuff like that. Like he likes to create video games and and talk about shit like that. And he wants to do. Uh, he wants to convert some of my old uh, short films, my short horror films, my horror pictures, into VHS. He's uh, already done it with the movie Creep from uh, Netflix. Uh, and then he did. I think he did the Human Centipede movie. And then we we went back and forth about the quality of those films. Nobody fucking. I yeah I I said that the human centipede was trash and then he just kept going saying that well no it's actually you know the first one's meh but the second one's pretty good it's all black and white and it's a, it's like do we really need a black and white human centipede what what fuck do we really need to add depth to that concept are you really looking for an avant garde human centipede excuse me human sent the bed that's what it would be called if it was done by a French director actually I think the guys who came up with that concept were Dutch. 
So it would have been something along those lines, but they they had to sell it to a mainstream audience. It's a, those are bad movies. I, I but again, like what more do you want? I don't want story. I want shitty acting. I don't want character development. Do you really want a character arc in that movie? Yeah, a girl starts out eating shit. And then she ends up at the end of the movie literally eating shit. It's just a bunch of characters going ass to mouth. It's it's a glorified it's glorified Dutch porn. Yeah, I don't really know. No, but he's doing that stuff, and he's he's actually very talented. He's good at that. He's in a band with a couple other of my buddies, and he's doing that stuff. So uh, big ups to Tom the Bomb. And uh, I never say big ups, so you know I mean it, sir. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Interesting guy, good guy, longtime buddy. I'm basically kissing his ass at this point. Oh, man. Every every movie that I go back to, like that I I seem to love, people have a problem with now, and it's not just me. Like I like a lot of really popular movies. I like a lot of movies that no one would dare touch and watch. I like a lot of the slow burns, the really pretentious shit. I am in. I am into a lot of the avant garde stuff. I am. I, I am into a lot of the alternative horror movies that nobody really saw. I like that movie, The Witch, about that Puritan family in the. Uh, the 1600s, I believe, that British Puritan family that uh, moves out into the woods of New England. They're exiled from their village because they're like really heavy Christians. And uh, one by one, their children start getting picked off by a uh, mysterious woman that lives in the woods. And it's about two hours long. And everybody speaks in old English. You can barely understand what they're saying. But they tell the story in visuals. All right. And if you can't understand that, I really don't know what to tell you, okay? Quite frankly, I don't know how you graduated high school, all right? No, The Witch is a creepy movie. I like a lot of that stuff, but just recently, with a lot of comedy films, everybody's going back and talking about, well, this, nobody laughs at this anymore, nobody laughs at that. It's like, fuck, like, nobody's supposed to laugh at that. That's what makes it funny now. A great comedy is a movie that can be made in a certain time that is that is timely, topical, relevant, that people laugh at, and has the extra added value of people being able to laugh at it 10 years down the road because everything that was once relevant in that movie is now inappropriate. So it's kind of a bonus. It's kind of like the, it's it's the acid flashback of film, right? You laughed at it back then. You had such a great time with it. Everything was all cool and colorful and visual and funny. And then 10 years down the road, you watch it and you, you're brought right back to that point. Even though no, the, the society's standards have changed. I don't know if that makes sense, but... Like, I, fuck, like, Seth Rogen is now coming back. He's denouncing, like, all the old jokes that he told. And Jonah Hill's doing the same thing. Jonah Hill, you know, Jonah Hill was funny. He was in movies like Superbad and Knocked Up. He was talking about having anal sex on a soccer field. 
Now he's on Ellen, dressed like an H&M reject, talking about toxic masculinity. That's what I really want from, from the guy with period blood on his pants in one movie, who was also getting fucked by the devil with a giant cock, and this is the end. That's, that's what I want him talking about. Not, everybody, not everything needs to be acknowledged. Fuck, if you're ashamed of your past work, just move on from it. Let your new work speak for itself. God, for people who work in a visual medium, they do a lot of talking. No, but Seth Rogen was in an interview the other day, and I'm not going to hold him to what he said. If you're in an interview and you're promoting something and someone asks you a question, you a lot of the time, you, you don't have like a whole argument and a whole statement laid out. So you're going to say something and people are, so I kind of feel bad for these celebrities in that regard because everything that they say is just taken and you take a 30 second clip and you put it out. But the, the road that Seth Rogen's gone down, never mind Jonah Hill, Jonah Hill's a different story, but the road Seth Rogen has gone down where he's now Mr. Serious and he's very politicized. He's a lot like Jimmy Kimmel. And a lot of those those talk show hosts. And there, there's there's a lot of other comedic actors who have gone down the same road. Judd Apatow, Seth MacFarlane, Amy Schumer. All of these people have made a living doing um, a lot of uh, sort of, um, I guess politically incorrect humor would be sort of the umbrella term. But it's a lot of race-based humor. It's a lot of uh, insensitive sort of uh, racially insensitive humor. Uh just a lot of shit that pissed people off, right? And they became known for that. And that's what they were popular for. And that's what people went to see their their material for. Whether it was stand-up, whether it was film, whether they watched Seth MacFarlane on Family Guy. That's how they made a living. And that's what, that's what we are going to remember them for. Now they're denouncing all that shit because they want the paycheck. And it's very disingenuous and it weirds me out a little bit. And Seth Rogen's doing the same thing, I feel. So he's, he's in this interview and he's talking about if you say terrible things, if you say terrible things, that's bad. And I get what he's saying, but that's a very vague statement because terrible is subjective. Offense is subjective. What I find offensive, you may not find offensive, right? But just because I, the offended, have found a faction of people online who also share the same sensibilities does that really mean that I get to dictate whether or not you get to keep your job or whether or not you should be hindered? I just find it all very confusing and, and, and illogical and ultimately stupid. I get where people are coming from with it. There are people who have said things that are offensive and maybe they should acknowledge but I think that it, it comes down to the individual's choice as to whether or not they, they, they actually want to apologize. Because just because, and I think Ricky Gervais said this, just because you're offended doesn't always mean that you're wrong. Or it doesn't always mean, just because you're offended doesn't mean you're right. You can be wrong, right? You're not wrong to be offended necessarily. But that doesn't mean that you have the power or you should be granted the power to dictate whether or not a person should be able to keep their livelihood. 
I think that the uh, the market should dictate. That's a very that's a very cliched soundbite that people should vote with their pockets. Cliched but true. But Seth Rogen keeps going back, and I, I'm I'm going back to Seth Rogen because he's particularly disheartening. I used to admire Seth Rogen very much. I never found him the most fu- the funniest in his movies, but I always found him as a, to be a good straight man to the funniest guy in the movie. He is talented. I think his biggest talent is in writing, and I, I'm going to give credit where credit's due. I remember when Superbad came out. And I remember how much I fell in love with that movie upon first viewing. I saw it with my friend Jimmy Williams at the AMC theaters, back when it was an AMC, on Winston Churchill in Oakville, Ontario. Right on the Mississauga-Oakville border. I know I'm boring you with the description, but I remember the theater that I was in when I saw Superbad. Me and Jimmy used to go. We were 15 years old. This was August 2007. The movie had just came out a week before. Everybody was raving about it. You got to go see this movie. There's a period blood scene. There's a scene where Michael Sarah, nobody knew who he was at that point, where the long gangly kid from Brampton is singing a song for a bunch of cokeheads, and you got to watch that. And there's a whole bunch of different things. There's, there's two scenes where the same guy gets hit by a car. And you would keep hearing about this shit over and over again. There's a guy named McLovin. So me and him went. And me and Jimmy would always go see a double feature. And by double feature, we mean, uh, I mean, uh, we would pay to go see one movie. And then we would directly sneak into another right after that. So for this one, we saw Superbad first. We paid for Superbad. And I remember loving Superbad so goddamn much. I laughed my ass off through the entire thing. It was my kind of humor. There was something that just resonated with not just me, but everybody who saw that movie. It just captured the essence of growing up and the angst and the awkwardness and the insecurity and the embarrassment and the worry about taking that next step forward in in life. Moving into the next chapter separating from your friends and going to college. I'm not trying to sound like a sentimental beta boy, but that's what it was to me. And it just captured that. And that's why so many people kept going to see it. And I remember I laughed so hard during that first viewing of Superbad. I couldn't get it out of my mind. I couldn't get it out of my mind. Then me and Jimmy went to see uh, Rush Hour 3 right after. And that entire screening of Rush Hour 3, I'm laughing but it's about super bad. I'm still laughing at super bad. And can you blame me? I needed something to distract me from rush hour three. Who's really laughing at rush hour three? Two was a task. Rush hour three, little much. But I love super bad so much that I kept going to see it. Uh, I saw it uh, two more times that summer. Once again with my friend Nick. And then the third time, believe it or not, with my mom. My mom was like, I want to see what all the fuss is about. I need to see this movie. I'm like, well, I want to see it again. Let's go. So we went. And uh, weirdly enough, not awkward. Not awkward. I don't really know what that says about our relationship, but we laughed away at this movie. She loved it. When we got out, she said, you know what? That, that movie's your, your, your generation's animal house. Anyways, I don't, I don't mean to go on so much about that fucking movie. I just like it a lot, and I, I still can't think of a film 
a comedy film that has topped that, that has captured the rawness of growing up and going to high school the same way that that film did. And I may sound like a millennial simp who can't acknowledge anything made past the year 2009, but it's what it is, folks. What it is. And I don't, I don't think Superbad's a cinematic achievement on the level of Lord of the Rings or Jurassic Park or Schindler's List. Okay, I don't think it's that. But it's still a great movie. It's a classic comedy, and I, I think it's a genuinely quality film. I think it's a great film. But that's me. Still, it's still one of the few movies I can confidently say I relate to. All of my other favorite movies are movies that I can't, I can't, I have no frame of reference. I have no frame of reference for Saving Private Ryan. I fantasized that I fought in World War II. I didn't. But it's, it's something that I think about. No, but everybody talks about movies like Superbad and how nobody laughs at that anymore and there's lines and jokes in the movie that we just don't make and that's what's funny about it. I, I, I just, I came to my senses. It, it, I, 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 I had a moment of clarity the other day after reading a YouTube comment of all things. Leave it, leave it to a YouTube, leave it to a guy hiding behind a Super Mario avatar to put everything into perspective. But it, it said something to the effect of comedy is made for the moment, not for the future. And it's so true. Comedy is made for the present and not for 10 years down the road, right? It's impossible to do that because we don't know what we're going to be laughing at 10 years down the road or what, what it's not going to be okay to laugh at 10 years down the road by society's standards. So that does, but that doesn't mean that you can't laugh at a movie that was ten, that was made ten years ago. You just look at it from a different lens, okay? You don't just throw these movies away. It's a waste of a budget. You don't just throw these movies away. Like I'm not going to stop watching Mel Brooks movies. I'm not just going to disregard Young Frankenstein because nobody's heard the song "Putting on the Ritz" since 1934. You just keep watching them, but it's just in a different context. doesn't mean you can't enjoy it. It doesn't mean that kids 20 years from now can't enjoy Superbad. Now, mind you, kids 20 years from now are probably going to be half android. We're probably going to be injecting ourselves with serum that turn us into an animal of our choosing. It's going to be a different piece. But it, these movies bring us together, man or beast. That's why I get disappointed with guys like Seth Rogen who kind of denounce stuff like that now. Like, oh, there was jokes that we didn't make. Like, there's jokes that we made that we shouldn't have. And it's like, no shit. There's jokes I made years ago that I shouldn't have. And that doesn't mean, I'm not, I'm not shitting on him for growing. It doesn't mean you can't grow, but there's a process to growing. And it usually just involves you doing it. You just grow. You just do it naturally. That's what people have done years ago. Nobody in the 1930s was confessing and acknowledging everything that they did in 1910. 
Nobody, nobody, and, and those people were sociopaths in 1910. Yeah, I had to uh, cannibalize a family in uh, 1913. It wasn't even the Great Depression yet. I just, uh, I was hungry. And uh, the food wagon had left town. Anyways, uh, I can't get that out of my mind. I hope everybody just has the strength to forgive me and just please know that I've grown. Thank you for giving me this chance to reinvent myself. There was nobody doing that. But now everybody has to like acknowledge that you just you're just supposed to grow. You're just supposed to grow. Not everything needs to be a self-excavation of everything that you once said and everything you did and you I had a friend of mine this was last summer during the whole like everybody was talking about race and everybody in the for two weeks until drive-in movie theaters reopened and then half the white people went see ya all right well i've uh, i've done my part you do yours i'm gonna watch trolls 2 from a from a honda civic and eat a 12 dollar corn dog but there was a friend of mine who posted a picture of himself in dreadlocks at age 14 and I'm going, did you really need to, was this necessary? Could you maybe save this and just say, hey, I've, uh, I've moved past it on my own. And does everything need to just be exposed? Are you sure you're doing this for the right reasons? You sure you just don't want the points from people? And this is a guy who I love dearly. I think he's a good guy. I just... I question his motives. But everybody's doing that. I tried doing it at one point. I tried doing it. I was at one point in this this very contrite state with myself. It was rather phony. But I I had this period when I when I started doing stand up again. When I started doing stand up after like a you know a couple of years of doing it on and off. When I started doing it night after night, I thought I had to do this thing where I had to confess every politically incorrect, quote-unquote, problematic thing that I had ever done just to ingratiate myself with a PC comedy community, a, co- a community that probably wasn't going to accept me either way because my humor was just not theirs. It just wouldn't have worked out that way. But I did it. I, would, I did it. Like, and I, and you, know, you know what the, the end product was? Um, unfunny comedy. I would just get up there and just start talking about and just lament. Just, oh my God, my teens were so awful. My 20s were just so terrible. I just look back and I cringe. I I don't even know the joke. I'm pretty sure that was it. I just look back and I cringe. I'm just going through everything. And the audience, there was actually paid customers who were just like, who's this idiot? Who's this dummy? Just talking about a homophobic joke he said when he was 13. What is this, taxi cab confessions? Uh, I remember I did that material for my parents when they came to see me at a show one night. 
and I bombed. I bombed in front of my parents, which is one of the more embarrassing things that a comedian can have happen to them, bombing in front of their family, friends, girlfriend, whatever it is. But I bombed in front of my parents doing that material. I'm just standing up there. I may as well have been crying. My dad said after the show, he's like, I almost walked up there and unplugged the microphone myself. I have the right mind to enlist you into the army at 28. Anyways, I just wanted to talk about that. Uh, Something's Off podcast on Instagram. Follow me on TikTok. There it is.